0: Drive by Cinema Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun
1: Hello and welcome It's Drive by Cinema, Season 2, Episode 21 I'm Rick, and this is the other host, Paul Good evening, everybody Paul, it's been a long time We've, we've been doing festive things
0: And we yes. have
1: been incommunicado
0: we have been stuck in Betwixtmouth as it's now called.
1: You passed me by last night and I invited you over, but you didn't come.
0: I didn't see your message at all, in actual fact, because I was no, busy uh, on a motorway driving. And then I got home and I slumped on the bed and fell asleep and woke up the next day.
1: That's understandable, because you went a long way, actually. basically to well, for cre- me, 86
0: miles, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. Now, see, I had an ulterior motive, because I was hoping I'd be able to give you your Christmas present. My Christmas present? Yeah, yeah. How else am I going to get you my Christmas present?
0: I don't know. I don't know.
1: It was for the drive-by cinema Secret Santa, of course.
0: Oh. Did, did you get the memo? I didn't know. Was there a memo? Ah, okay. Yeah. Was it telepathic by any chance, this memo? <laughs>
1: Someone came round uh, with loads of names in a hat, and I pulled a name out of the hat, and it was, it was my name. So That's they true. said I had to put it back in. And then I pulled the name out of the hat again. And it was my name again. And I went to put it back in again. And they said, oh, fuck that. It has to be Paul. There's only two of you. There's only two the organization. of us. Yeah. So consequently, by a process of elimination, it must,
0: you must be the secret Santa. So. You're suggesting that I should be getting you a present, Richard. Is that right? Yeah.
1: No, Paul. No. Because the greatest thing about presents and gift giving is giving. Is is the giving not the receiving? And the best thing about it is, is the delightful experience of giving someone a present when they haven't they got don't to want get you one. Oh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> how, how else could you achieve that them squirm
0: with... uncomfortably? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but yes, you should also take it from the Secret Santa idea that clearly this is not a gift that you should be grateful for. I see. It's really a it's a backhanded way of bullying you, isn't it? That's what a Secret Santa. Is it That's what it is. It's is like gift if someone to toenail clippings in any way, shape or form. What do you mean? Is that, is that voodoo? Is that where you collect someone's toenail clippings? And no, power
0: no. I mean, like, is it a practical way to maintain? You know, to clip your my, toenails. Yeah, to maintain my my toe beauty throughout the year.
1: Because it's diffi- It's getting harder and harder to clip one's toenails. You know, I think that's one of the things that comes with age, doesn't it? But I don't know how I'm going to be able to cut my toenails in a few years. You'll have to. It's not flexible enough, really. Ah. I'll have to go to a chiropodist, won't I? (laughs) Have your toenails (laughs) cut?
0: Or you can go out and live out in the desert, grow a beard and really long toenails. (laughs) That's the other option. So, I'm going to delve in here, you know. I mean, did you receive any presents? Presents, yeah. I got um, four
1: pairs of socks. And Uh let me tell you... Uh Although, it, ha, I got although five. it's considered a joke,
0: a five. Yeah, and do you know what? They're from DKMY. Oh wow! Yeah.
1: So, was that like a five pack? It oh, was in a
0: presentation box. Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, I got I got a set of three and a separate set of one. Wow. So it's two sock presents, yeah. two separate sock presents. We're ending the theme in a comic way. One of them, yes. One of them has got Manchester theming on it, like bees and stuff like that. Boddingtons Brewery, it's, you know, oh, kind that's of quite nice. Sense. But I don't mind socks. I think socks are a good Christmas present because I don't want to have to go buy socks. Who wants to do that? There's no, no joy in buying socks, is there?
0: But what else did I get? Oh, I got a forty pound gift card, which I was very, very pleased about. That's pretty heavy. Yep. You see, you can't be that, can you?
1: Which shop is that for?
0: Marks and Spencer's a little bit disappointing, but. But nonetheless, a quid, oh. you can't knock it, can you? You
1: could, get, you could get socks from there. You could get underwear from there. Although I have to say, I'm a bit disappointed that I've lost the instructions for my underwear. <laughs> which is causing me anxiety. <laughs> Men's underwear has become more sophisticated these days.
0: I'm sorry, I really didn't get this memo. I don't know how it's become more
1: sophisticated, Richard. In the olden days... It was boxer shorts, which might have a fly opening with yeah. sometimes a button. That's right, yeah. I never enjoyed those. You d- never enjoyed what, bo- boxes, boxes, boxes?
0: boxes. in particular the silk ones, because they have no stretch. Oh. And so, you know, there's a level mm-hmm. of quantum entanglement with your leg that can happen mm-hmm. with your I little see. potato sack.
1: <laughs> and then, of course, you've got the very traditional Y front. Oh, do they
0: still exist?
1: Well, I think so, but the way that they work is on the front. There's this upside down Y-shaped seam, and one of those oblique seams has got a slash through the material that goes into in, in the interior of the Y front. And the idea, I think, is it's that like an entrance gate. To, it is. So I think you're supposed to thread your your little gentleman through that upward-facing slit in order to allow you to urinate without taking your pants off completely. But I don't know I don't know that any man would ever thread upwards in that direction through a pair of Y-fronts. I've certainly never done you it. You have to hoist it over,
0: always, the, host it over the waistband, yeah?
1: Exactly. You just pull the waistband down, which is heavily elasticated anyway. It's not a problem. Uh, so it's an unnecessary design. I don't know who designed the Y-front. It seems like a guy who's never urinated.
0: Um, but haven't we all sort of defaulted towards jockey these days—the sort of tight boxer, the yeah, support, the support giving yeah, boxer?
1: Support, exactly, exactly. But modern, modern, sophisticated men's underwear of the kind that you get on Kickstarter and that advertise on podcasts and things—not yeah. this podcast—but they've designed men's underwear that has multiple special pouches. And I think the theory here is... Are you separating? No, exactly. It's so a that you meet. Don't build you do your edge. eggs in one basket. Yeah, and they don't want skin on skin and all that sweatiness. Oh, the chafing. And they don't and... want things flopping around and chafing. Yeah, quite so. Yeah. So these days you can get underwear with a special kind of lined <laughs> pouch for one and another separate area for, for the other
0: bit. Richard, uh, the did you receive is, any underwear for, for Christmas? I mean, no, this
1: I had to buy this for myself because I don't, don't so think what, I was to What's huge or
0: sudden enthusiasm for, for, for men's underwear?
1: It's just got advertised at me and successfully sold. Oh, you know? oh, okay. I, I oh, so you, you tried out the new stuff? Exactly, but I've lost the instructions. So, And you may think it would seem obvious, but it's yeah. not obvious when you're presented with certain holes and flaps as to which bit goes where. You know, you have to, you know... Um, you know do i put it, both through the holes through the hole, tastefully
0: or... decorated out like an elephant's trunk and ears no <laughs> well, that'd be helpful <laughs> wouldn't
1: it i suppose, I suppose it cute. would, yeah but the weird thing is when you're Even wearing blind dates when you're wearing these pants because your equipment is through a little hole it feels a bit like it's sticking out of the front of your clothing. All the time. You know, that's, I see. That's a know. sensation that you get. So you have to keep Oh, it's checking. like
0: skinny dipping. It's like you're skinny dipping <laughs> through life. Wow.
1: Socks and underwear. There you go. That's Christmas presents for me, you know. But To myself, one of them, of course.
0: I've got some chocolate liqueurs that weren't really as good as Bailey's, but were artisanal. So <laughs> uh, You're going to <laughs> get me started on how Gordon's Gin is better than... No, I better not say that, because it
1: would just make our listeners angry. Well, we're not sponsored by any of these brands, so no. I don't know why we're giving them airtime. Any other corrections, Paul? Well, we've got to draw something from Discord, our Discord server, which everyone is welcome to join. Yes. Because Pete and Jolien did point out that we'd mentioned the story of Cinderella.
0: Well, well, how- yes, yes. So I, was, I, was, I, was, I wasn't taking part in this, but I did see it, but... What on earth were we talking about Cinderella for, Rich? Could you just remind me? That's a great question. Ah, we don't know. Okay. I
1: don't, I don't remember when Cinderella came up, but you mentioned the glass slipper, and I said it was an inappropriate material for footwear. And <laughs> Indeed, I, yeah. Um, Pete had <laughs> mentioned that there are scholars who maybe think that it was a mistranslation or, you know, a... a, a a synonym or something for a phoneme, a phononym or something for a synophone, or whatever you call it, for, um uh, <laughs> synonym, I think, for, I think uh, like a fur slipper, which I think is, means a vagina. Hello. <laughs> which means the symbolism is very fucked up, but I think Pete was implying that it means Prince Charming is taking Cinderella's virginity
0: deflowering so so what I liked about the conversation on discord was was not that well. I did enjoy the debate about about uh, dubious Freudian ideas but also the the following idea that was that uh, results from this that uh, we should defund all the humanities because of this <laughs> so so yeah.
1: and on that note it's time for the music
0: So, Richard, it is episode 21 of season two of Drive-By Cinema. What I said del- what delightful treats do we have in store for us today? Well, this was in... Was it Netflix or Amazon Prime? Was- this was Amazon Prime. Uh, studio Amazon Prime. Uh, yeah. Oh, made Co-produced for, by... It, well, made for Amazon.
1: Yeah. Co-produced by, you were going to say? Channel 4. Yeah,
0: Channel 4 co-production, I think.
1: Oh, really? Okay. Mm-hmm and it's a movie encounter which is set in America with I, guess, I suppose the American character but it's actually directed and written by Michael Pierce and stars yes. Riz
0: Ahmed both of whom are British. Michael Pierce is British too. Ah, thank you. He is. In fact, he's from Jersey. Okay. So you say it's set in America but it's actually set in America, isn't it? <laughs> it's set deep in the, you know, gas station Outback of Nevada and places like that.
1: Well, knowing that Michael Pierce is a Brit, I think that sheds an interesting light on the depiction of America we see. Yeah. Because it is, as you say, it's quite a broadly painted picture of a uh, an America we seem to be familiar with. Yes. But yes, you're right. It's uh, gun loving, gas stations,
0: uh, motels, tumbleweed. Kind of yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't really know where to begin. Where do we begin with this movie? Well, we begin... At the beginning.
1: We begin at the beginning because this movie purports to be a story of an alien invasion, doesn't it? Yes. And we see uh, something coming through space, I think, some light coming through space, a meteor Mm -hmm. shattering the atmosphere, and we see dust, this scintillating dust in the, the night air is coming down and landing on the ground. We see bugs and organisms... Eating the dust. That's right, yeah. I think we see, like, bugs. Well, you see bugs all through this film. If you're an insectophobe, you're going to be a bit skewed out <laughs> by by bugs crawling out of every orifice and every, every part of the building. Yes.
0: You're saying it was just alien dust. I was under the impression it was alien bugs that had arrived.
1: Hmm. Well... But when you people sometimes use bugs to mean microorganisms, don't they? Bugs. Yeah. My interpretation was you were seeing something carrying some form of alien life, microorganisms or something,
0: and then insects were then eating it. I see. It was moving up the food chain kind of thing.
1: Yeah. It it felt a bit like colour out of space, you know, the Nicolas Cage yes. Cthulhu one. Where again a meteor brings the alien sort of presence to Earth but not as an alien, not as creatures, but as sort of like an infection. Very appropriate these days. Yeah. Isn't it? Very that was my state. sense. But it doesn't matter really, does it? Because, spoiler alert, as we always do in this podcast, uh, it's not really aliens, is it? It's really... It's not
0: really. It's really Riz Ahmed going mad. It would be a stretch of the imagination to think that, yeah, it was actually aliens. In any case... I mean, as they are at the moment, they're they're just inhabiting people's eyes, so he imagines, or wood lice. So it's not, it's not. I mean, it doesn't work as a as 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 a movie as an alien invasion does, it? and it doesn't try to. You know, we, I think within twenty or thirty minutes, we're, we're fairly clear that there ain't no alien invasion happening tonight. Yeah. So at the start, we
1: don't know very much about Rizamad's character. We get the impression that he's a marine, not a Royal Marine, yeah. a Marine Marine. Or, uh, because I think we see a picture of him with, a, with his dressy uniform on at one stage, don't we? Oh good, at least somebody was paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> and he seems to uh, he, he seems to have a
0: fear of insects because he's got a lot of I did not around. fall asleep in this movie by the way just to confirm. He does have a fear of oh. insects, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's listening he gets... to the wall and you can hear them crawling behind the wall in his motel room, etc. etc. etc.
1: And I think there were news reports on the TV about some kind of disease spreading. Yes. Again, very topical, sadly. Hardly uh, newsworthy these days, isn't it? But there we are.
0: But as it later transpires, he's not had a nice time of it in the past few years, has he? He has a parole officer who we're going to meet uh, later on in the movie. We only uh, get
1: to know that later, though.
0: I think yeah. it comes as a bit of surprise that he was in prison. It does, rather, yeah,
1: yeah. We see him circle an area on a map, and he circles an area called Groom Lake. Ah, Did that mean anything to you, Paul? It didn't, no. no. Interesting. So, for those in the know and conspiracy theorists and stuff, Groom Uh Lake, I think, is the geographical location of what we all know as Area 51. Area 51. Mm. I think its technical term is the Groom Lake test bed or testing facility or something. I see. Which, of course, for those who don't know, is, is the area where the US are reported to create or test, you know, secret military weaponry and planes and stuff like that. Uh, but he's also supposed to be the base where the US military keep their aliens.
0: Where they repose their aliens, yeah.
1: yeah. After <laughs> Roswell and a crashed flying saucer, supposedly they took an alien and put it under there. Uh, even though it was really just a, a weather balloon. Is that right? Oh, Sadly for those keen on meeting an alien it, uh, it was this weather balloon wreckage that was found <sighs> I suppose that doesn't All hopes of
0: my boyhood fantasies dashed with that knowledge
1: I mean it could have been an alien that shot the weather balloon down I guess, or crashed into a weather balloon, or maybe aliens pilot weather balloons dun, and perhaps dun, that's dun. what happens still uh, <laughs> yeah so I think we're given to understand that we've got some kind of mind-control parasite going on. Because the footage at the beginning, they yes. use some footage from nature documentaries. And Ruiz Ahmed, actually, his character references this later on.
0: He talks, he talks about to- one in detail, doesn't he? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And there are several... Quite little- interesting.
0: Is that true? Or is it just...
1: No, that there are several really weird creatures that affect some kind of mind control. There's a wasp that lays its eggs in an ant. Oh, yes, yes, and yes, the, yes, yes, the, yes. The larva crawls into the ant's head and makes it go to the top of things so that the, the <laughs> wasp can get out or something weird. There's That's a trying. fungus that does the same thing, a fungus that can uh, infect the body of insects and ants. I think, again, get the shot into the straw here. <laughs> Well, they make the ant crawl to the top of a blade of grass or whatever, and then the ant dies <laughs> sitting there, and the fungal spores burst out of the top of the ant's head. Oh, my gosh. So the entire life cycle of the ant has become co-opted into the fungal life cycle, so that's creepy. <laughs> then there's a thing about uh, cats and toxoplasmosis. Yes. Have you heard
0: this? I have, yeah. I wasn't so really paying is, attention.
1: It's a bloodborne infection that you can pick up from cat feces. And supposedly the way that it works is you get this in your blood and it affects the um, sort of inhibition or sort of risk centres, I suppose, that higher mammals have. Uh, And so it makes you less cautious and more prone to risk-taking. And supposedly the way that this works is that the mice will... Uh, around, that are around a cat, will uh, get infected by eating cat shit or whatever, uh, or stuff that the cat shit has been on. And it will get into the mouse. The mouse will lose its fear of cats, effectively. And yes. then these mice will present themselves at the cats or try to fight them or scare them off or whatever, and they'll get eaten by the cats. And, of course, that will infect the cat's dietary tract with... More of these bugs, which will get shat out, and the life cycle will continue. And it is said that it has an effect on human psychology as well. I'm not entirely sure that, like, you know, proper research backs this up. Well, I think fair play to the cats.
0: <laughs> it's not really their
1: idea, though, is it? The cats.
0: I mean, they're just. Insane. I know, but fair play because let's go into human psychology in a second because you know, uh people say, Why doesn't my cat drink from the bowl of water next to its food? Oh yeah. There's a good reason for that. It is there? Yeah.
1: Okay. It's got food in it and shit. No well there's, I mean, dual- if you, you know, there's dual I mean if you if you if you pull a pint of beer and you drop a crisp in it, you don't that's not nice, is it? If you're continually dropping a crisp in your beer, you're going to piss you off, isn't it? You're going to stop. and.
0: Well, what it is, is that, you know, those dual bowls that you put the food and the uh, water in, the cats just won't do that. They will not drink next to a food source.
1: They're so fussy, aren't they?
0: No, no, it's, it, it's oh. I mean, it's, it's, in, it's, it's very, very ingrained, ingrained hardwired behaviour is that, you know, uh, fluids next to their food source is going to be vole or mouse pee when they've, when they've, Killed, you know, when they pounced, the uh, the small animal will pee, and of course it, they'll get pee. Is, is, is very very infectious. So if you want your cat to drink, put its water bowl in another room, ideally or outside, yeah, and it will drink. But
1: some cats only drink running water, don't they? So you can this get this is exactly- what they like.
0: Well, they're ingrained. It's ingrained in them to 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 seek out fresh sources that don't have any pee in. You see, so so yeah, if the shower head is what they like in particular. So you can get little bowls that have a little fountain in them. Ah. You? The, I mean, the one he talked about in the movie, in particular, parasites was it infects a fish's brain and changes the fish's behavior so that it gets eaten by a bird. Yeah, and then the parasite right. can infect the bird. You know, goes to the bird's stomach to do whatever it has to do. So it's like multiple Mario levels of parasitic behavior
1: there. I mean, this is yeah. It's
0: a common. It seems to be a common thing in. Well, this is it. Nature is a tough beast, isn't it? I, I, I guess does this mean that we call it beneficial bacteria because it's got a gun to our head? <laughs> call me beneficial bacteria otherwise your gut is shot. <laughs> this is very good programming you know. Congratulations to the parasites and, uh, and viruses that thought this up. It throws another,
1: yet another spanner in the,
0: the works of free free will and yeah Richard where were we okay yeah so he's got some he's got he's got he's got, in, he's got in his mind the idea that there is he's aware that there's an invading force of of alien sort of parasitic predators slowly occupying people's minds and he can see them in the eyes of people sort of squirming there behind behind the white he keeps of their checking eyes, yeah. he checks his
1: eyes doesn't he regularly to make sure there's nothing he does yeah it. now he's on his way to see his kids he doesn't live with his kids and with their mum She's shacked up with another guy. Dylan, yeah. Um, We see um, her getting ready at some stage, and it seems that she gets bitten at some point, doesn't doesn't she? She does, yeah. yeah. Insect bites her. There are flies everywhere at this point. Again, insects all over this film. There's a bunch of confusing stuff that happens. If you were going to fall asleep, probably this would be the bit where you might have done it. I didn't. (laughs) And you see... Uh That's every film we've
0: watched
1: this week You see imagery is suggesting That there's been some kind of struggle Maybe in the family home And yes. um, we see Riz Ahmed Putting his kids into the back of a car And they're asking where mum is And he's uh, You know saying He's placating them with some information about their mum Like she's ill or something I can't remember what he says um, We later see That mum and her boyfriend are tied up in the garage
0: and alive and safe. There's been a struggle.
1: Yeah, they, they, they're they alive, absolutely. He's an
0: ex-marine. He's a professional. You know, He knows he knows he's what he's
1: doing. He does know what he's doing. He proves that later, doesn't he? So he starts a little road trip with his kids. <laughs> I guess we get the impression that he's going to areas... To the Groom London. Lake, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And we start an uncomfortable session of father-son bonding or failing to
0: bond with uh,
1: two quite annoying kids, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I've got Bobby, the
0: little one, uh, who has got little poppy dog eyes, but that's his only redeeming quality. And Jay, his older brother, who's a bit of a brat, really. I I have to be frank about this.
1: At one point, Riz Ahmed says to the older son, Jay, he says, have you got hair around your pecker yet? Oh, that's highly inappropriate. I didn't notice that. But maybe that's the Marine in him coming out. Maybe
0: it's the fact that he's been in the Marines and not really, you know, a father I mean, kids. He time. says, oh, you grow muscles. I think that's more appropriate, you know. Shows you, you know, shows your shotguns, whatever they call them. What they call them? Shows, shows your guns. Your guns. Shows yeah. your guns, yeah.
1: Maybe he was just asking because he was going to buy his kids some high-tech Jones. underwear. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, as they're driving on their road trip, a cop decides to pull them over.
0: Sorry, can we just talk about something inappropriate for a a little bit longer? Oh, my God. Did you have any friends at that age when changes were occurring? Like, (sighs) mine sort of grew with me. You know, it it was a relatively gradual sort of ascension to manhood. But do you have any friends who's just, like, popped to a different size suddenly? (laughs) And they were, like, four foot eleven yeah with just a gigantic monster between their legs i honestly and they and they just didn't, you know mum had to buy them really baggy pants, but still it wasn't enough to contain it kind of thing. It's just <laughs> awful, isn't it to be in that situation like it didn't happen to be, but i, I had two friends who were like that,
1: and it's like I can yeah. honestly say I did not find myself in that situation no there was a, there was one kid at school who was a swimmer like you, I think probably because he, mm-hmm. he was a very keen swimmer. And he had, like, an amazingly toned body, considering, you know, everyone else... Well, they do swim. They're like, 3% fat, yeah. Yeah, he was ripped and had abs and stuff. So that was the usual thing to say. It's also a joke. He had a (laughs) micropenis. For all I know.
0: Yeah, cop stops them on the way. Well, he escapes the first cop, but the the second cop stops them, yeah.
1: Clearly he's paranoid.
0: Yeah. Clearly
1: he's paranoid. I suppose we get that impression... This cop takes a dislike to Riz Ahmed, perhaps because of his ethnicity, who knows, but definitely gets him to put both his arms on, hands on the back of the the car, and he's going to search him, presumably, and cuff him, and at at this point, Riz seems to think he can see in the cop's eyes the telltale bubbling squirming, those parasitic worms and the, the cop's pulling his gun or his taser on him I can't remember but, taser I think I think he gets tasered doesn't he Riz he does yeah yeah. but he recovers from it and he tackles knocks the cop po- knocks,
0: knocks him out with out. a spade or something I, I hits him with something I can't remember what he hits him with maybe the butt of his own gun I'm not sure
1: the cop wakes up later in the road having lost a tooth um, having a nightmare but so they escape and they carry on on
0: the way and at this point I think there's a bit more fathersome bonding they talk about music there's quite a lot of fathersome bonding in open Nevada sort of desert with be- quite beautiful drop drops a-, a wonderful sense of space a weird sense of edgy freedom
1: you know he's asking them about the music that they like and he's suggesting that they should get into heavy metal and then he says Guns N' Roses Aerosmith are they Are they? <laughs> do they count as heavy metal? Guns N' Roses Aerosmith. they count as
0: metal but not heavy metal They're not heavy no Yeah.
1: no
0: but he's right. Studies show that people that like heavy metal are among the happiest in the population. Oh, really? Not yeah. the most intelligent. Uh, uh, excuse me. What? <laughs> um, all that I think you have to assume the null hypothesis there, Richard, on that one.
1: All that in the absence of any information cannot be good for you, can it? Can it? Like, uh, okay. like heading balls and playing NFL. They're oh. going to end up
0: with, with brain damage, aren't they? True. as Gani is worried about yeah. So so yeah, there are some moments in the desert, and he's he's trying to get them on side, obviously, because I think he knows that they're going to be fleeing, not just aliens at some point. Uh, and I thought that was quite well portrayed. You know, the, the awkward his awkward attempts to connect with his kids and failing. You know,
1: and at this point, one of his kids mentions that his mum had been being sick in the morning and having food cravings. Oh, and Triggers his mind Well he's been telling the kids all about alien invasion And the symptoms of it and stuff And the kids were thinking Oh yeah right she must be infected by this alien stuff Because of these things But he realises it probably means That she's pregnant And so he phones his parole officer Because he needs her to go and check on her Because he knows he's left her tied up in the in the garage I guess
0: ah thank you for paying attention <laughs> that went over my head completely So, this, but this is the first time we realise or we get a clue that he's been
1: in prison he speaks to his parole officer uh, and she uh, obviously is trying to convince him to to come back because he's you know breaking the terms of his parole and I think this is where we realise for the first time that he's crazy but he's, he's nuts yeah. yeah so I think we're supposed to infer that he was discharged from the Marines and maybe court martialed or
0: whatever for doing something probably caused he, by Well he, beat his, he beats his he beat his captain to a bloody pulp apparently. Yeah,
1: okay. Yeah. That makes sense.
0: But the, and then we you know, later on in the movie we meet his, you know, ex colleague in the Marines and he says, you know he he goes he goes back to the to the moments where he, you know, he kinda of lost it in the Marines and said, you know, we were surrounded by insects and flies and there were some kids, you know Sort of being shot at as we defended this post. So, like all the trigger points of his post-traumatic stress disorder, stress, are related to his situation now. You see.
1: So we're about one hour into the movie. Yeah, where in he decides to break into someone's place. Can't remember why he was motivated. His jeep
0: had broken down. He needed to take a car. I think.
1: Ah, uh, yeah, that's right. They'd broken down in the desert. Yeah and it's owned by this old guy with uh,
0: obviously with a gun this is
1: America after all
0: it should have been played by Woody Harrelson with a wig on (laughs) in one of his more serious roles but wasn't
1: (laughs) he was probably busy working on something else at the time but yeah he pulls out this great line you can put whiskers on a snake and call it a kitty doesn't mean it ain't gonna bite Yeah, I think this is related to ethnicity, wasn't it? And there's an exchange between these two, and at some stage, you know, this old guy tries to shoot him, and Riz Ahmed hides behind a sofa and then picks up a lamp standard and whacks him across the
0: head with it, doesn't he? Good shot. He, I mean, he was being he was facing down a shotgun, a saw-and-off shotgun, or, you know, yeah, some sort yeah. of. Yeah. So fair play. But on the other hand and he's an expert. He doesn't kill him, you know. He just he just disables these people temporarily. He's he's really good at what he does, I have to say. Reasonable that. force. Yeah. On the other hand, mm. he was breaking into somebody's property and as, you know as both of this man's sons say to him when they finally catch up with him, yeah. This is the castle doctrine, isn't it? The idea that
1: you know you're entitled to defend your property from trespass and stuff with with lethal force.
0: But not to intentionally set traps that will harm or kill.
1: I think that depends on the state. It? it
0: does depend on the state. Yeah. And even in the UK, there was that guy who... You can set traps, yeah, but you can't set traps that are likely to kill. That are lethal. a like... permanently maim. Permanently maim or kill, you can't set those kind of traps. But if you say there's electricity here, don't step any further. It's a notice saying don't come in. Live electricity on the floor. And they choose to. That's not setting a trap. That's them being stupid.
1: There's an interesting stroke disturbing game called Castle Doctrine. And it's right. an intensely multiplayer experience. But the idea is this, right? Um, you are given the opportunity to design the defences to your home. And you've got a wife and two kids in it and safe a safe or something.
0: Is this a board game or is this a PC game?
1: It's a PC game. So, and it's online oh. as well. And you can place like traps and weapons and you know, lethal traps and stuff. Now you have to be careful because once you've once you've set out your home and put all these traps in, you have to then well you have to then prove that you can safely go in and out of the house or you know, or go to the safe or do something. So you have to be So you don't get prosecuted. Yeah. Well you have to be able to navigate your own traps. Um, so That's the first thing you've got to do.
0: It's like a horrid form of Hansel and Gretel, isn't it?
1: But then your little house goes on on the internet and it becomes available to everyone else playing the Castle Doctrine. And if you want to get more money for more traps and stuff, you're probably going to need to go and steal it from somebody else's house. So you can go to somebody else's house. That is cool. And you try and get in. (laughs) And Now, it's not... You're not watching other people do it. You just get a report of who, whilst you're away, who has tried to get in. And and you see a sort of recording of what they did. Reports of flying limbs through chimney. And so you just get this amazing and weird and ultimately degenerate experience of these more (laughs) and more complicated traps in more and more lethal ways. And people having to memorise really complicated routes and do crazy things just to get their, through their own house you know and then people trying and retrying the same the same kind of levels over and over again to try and get through them it's a really weird game experience and it's quite chilling because partly because the game is an indie game and it's a very stripped down experience and it's got this very dry kind of narration to it all from this guy explaining the castle doctrine um, and I don't
0: I don't know whether it's still live and active and whether there's still a player base, but it's worth checking out because it is so weird. I mean, indie games exploded, didn't they? Maybe, what, 2000, 2011, 2012? Indie games suddenly became a thing again, didn't they? Yeah. Particularly on Xbox. Yeah, I seem to remember, like, in the Xbox community, when I was active there, you know, people were really really excited for the arrival of indie games because they were just so completely different but are they still a thing indie well games? That, yeah oh, absolutely.
1: absolutely i mean that was by design because they'd been a thing prior to that on the pc scene and steam makes it possible for, for people to publish any game you know yeah and you don't have to be a big publisher and there's a ready sort of e-commerce platform for it and it's not the only way of doing an indie game of course but it it's a very popular way of doing it. And Microsoft sought to emulate that within the Xbox community. So there was a bit of the Xbox Live experience, which was indie uh, games. Microsoft
0: jumping somebody else's
1: train? When would that ever happen? But fair use to them. I mean, they did what the Nintendo yeah, and PlayStation and Sony hadn't done. And that's why it became like that on the Xbox, yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I, Richard, I mean, you've been exploring the potentialities of Oculus 2 recently, haven't you?
1: Oh yes. Yeah. Which itself has it's it's got an app lab area where again indie developers can shove stuff. Yeah.
0: I'm not sure if you introduced me to an indie game, but it was a really enjoyable game that was also a little bit sick, which uh was like some little cartoon escapade into in the game you had to put on headsets. Oh, that's accounting. Inside that virtual. Yeah. Accounting or Accountancy accounting. plus. Yeah, yeah. Which is that, is, is that an indie
1: game? Well it's not really. No, it's from the it, it's it's a Gonzo game. I would say, suggest it's from the mind of Justin Roiland and Dan Harmon. I think um, you know it's deeply
0: warped. <laughs> yeah, uh, because inside the games, you tend to put on another virtual virtual reality helmet, uh, <laughs> often composed of people's body parts and stuff like that. It's really it's really quite funny.
1: It's a terribly meta experience. Yeah. Yes,
0: but properly confusing because you don't know.
1: At what point are you out of the game? <laughs> okay. Maybe you're still not. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, more of that to come, I think, and maybe next week's movie. So, he breaks into this We're place. He, yes. He breaks into this place. Uh, he gets shot at. He lamps a guy, literally. Uh, he drives away with his kids in this car. And as you say, this old fella's two sons arrive. Hot on his tail, yeah. And they see that their dad has been knocked out and... Uh, they go tearing off after him, fully kitted out. Not with, much place to go. With assault rifles and battle webbing and stuff. Yeah, he's not going to
0: get too far. So before he, he gets there. to the next next cafe or the next diner, he stops off in a ravine, some sort of canyon, and that's where they meet him. Is that right, yeah?
1: Well, he fa- he, he makes his way to this like abandoned town, doesn't he?
0: Yeah. I mean, well, we can edit this out, but does he... Sk- Older son drive the car before those guys turn up.
1: Ooh, good question. I don't know what it was before or after. I
0: cause... think there's another father son bonding moment where, like, he's like, "Right, you're gonna have to drive the car," because he gets injured. You know, during the scuffle in this other guy's front, uh, front, front, front living room, whatever, he gets injured slightly, and the kid has to drive the car to get some painkillers with his dad's money from the from the pharmacist. But before then, his dad has said, hey, let's just uh, barrel around in the sand. You learn how to drive kind of thing. So that happens. And then I think the the guy's two sons catch up with him and there's quite a big standoff. That's right. They find him in this abandoned
1: development, housing development, and there's a big sort of Firefight, but he overcomes them because he's a trained marine, and they're just typical. I thought this is a really good scene. It was
0: a good scene. It was a good scene because really he, good scene. It's very tense, and he does a great job. I mean, it was Hollywood. It was nice and over the top, but it was still believable. You know, yeah, it was really absolutely.
1: Yeah. But you know, again, it just—it's one of those things about the American love of gun culture. Is I, I don't see them as a viable or credible way of defending yourself because. If you if you own a gun and you think you're going to be yeah. protecting yourself from a criminal, you've either got to have it on you all the time, like with one loaded and ready to be shot, or the criminal's always going to get the jump on you, right? Because if I live if I live in a society where people routinely carry guns and I want to mug you, I've got to come at you with a gun have a already le- yeah. leveled at you, and at that point it's too late for you. You know, if you go to draw, I'm going to shoot you. If you even have a gun, I might be more inclined to shoot you. You know, The safest thing you can do in a heavily armed society is not have a gun at all, surely. There's no reason for anyone to shoot you. Just a waste of ammunition at that point, isn't it? So yeah, All we are saying is give peace a chance. <laughs> I, now, I don't know whether it's here that he gets wounded or earlier by the shotgun blast, but I think they do use the word flesh wound, which is often used right. in action and gunplay movies, isn't it? But... Because, I mean, flesh is the thing that gets wounded. I mean, what else can be wounded but flesh?
0: Got a bone wound. <laughs> a cartilage wound.
1: Which is flesh anyway, I guess. It is, exactly. That's it. The things that get wounded is are the flesh things. <laughs> <laughs> wound is implied. It's flesh implied, yeah.
0: i got a metaphysical wound. <laughs> yeah. Well, this guy is metaphysically wounded, you know. I mean, uh, it's... he's. I guess at this point he's flashbacking and reliving army moments, isn't he?
1: And meanwhile, the parole officer is hunting him down and she's insisting to the police and stuff um, and the sort of SWAT units that kind of try and stop
0: him. He's a good guy. And she's going to have to go with them,
1: which proves in the end... Because that be,
0: she know. has helped 120 uh, parolees uh, each year for 18 years. Uh, so that's a lot of people she's met, and she's a very good judge of character by her own estimation. Yeah. But the federal officers are not having that. They're saying, well, you know, thank you. Thank you for your kind heart, but, you know, I think we'll we'll take it on from here. So, I mean, they're pretty fixed on shooting this guy to smithereens, aren't they? Well, it's not going to end well for him, is it? He's a man of colour,
1: and and he's acting crazy. And he's attacked a police officer and he's tried to break into a guy's house and concussed him and it looks like then he, he may have he may have injured
0: what did he do to those two two guys he ran one over he was a good shot yeah he ran one over and he cracked his head and then he shot the other guy in his Kevlar. oh uh, yeah uh, that's right I, I but they both survived yeah so he ties them up. And at this point, you know, the FBI agent's like, well, you do you not know what code we've got on this guy. She says, what? The parole officer, he, he says, family annihilator. And then, you know, he gives the usual psychobabble about why this guy is on the edge and will do what he's going to do, which is presumably take out his own kids.
1: So, so, yeah, interesting conundrum we've got here, isn't it? Because it turns out, of course, as we mentioned near the start of the podcast, there are no aliens. There are no aliens. It's all in his head. He is... Delusional. He seems to suffer from delusional parasitosis, which is the delusion Uh, that you're covered with insects or that you're infested with.
0: Or maybe there's a parasite playing with his mind. Oh, you. So you're you're back Uh, on the
1: real aliens idea, are you? I am. Yeah. Maybe (laughs) I need to go see
0: a doctor. (laughs) Anyway, it becomes a duck shoot. You know, he's in a Nevada ravine and he's surrounded by cop cars and a couple of helicopters. So there is essentially no escape at this point, is there?
1: Well, they talk him down, don't they, eventually. And it's, I think, asserted at the end of the film that he gives
0: himself up and he doesn't get shot, I think. He does, but not quite the end. Yeah. So he puts the gun down, steps out of the car, hands up. But what about his older son? What does he do? Oh, his older
1: son gets grabs the gun himself, doesn't he?
0: Grabs the gun. He's convinced his father's going to be shot. He's not going to be shot, but how does a kid know that? And he goes out there, gun blazing. To face off the sheriff. He doesn't shoot. He just waves his gun. Menacing. He doesn't shoot. He waves his gun. Okay. Now, I'm thinking, oh, God. Yeah. We're going to have kitty meat flying in the air. <laughs> but it's Hollywood and it doesn't happen. And there we go. So, it all ends okay.
1: It seems... Which I thought here, was yeah.
0: something of an anticlimax.
1: Oh. It's a low-key movie, isn't it? It, it plays itself mm-hmm. quite quietly and yeah in the end it's really kind of uh, as you say it's sort of winds down at the end, but it leaves yeah. you i think it's quite thoughtful and it it leaves open this question you know of
0: the criminal responsibility of people who are who are crazy i mean there are oh okay so that was that was your take on it my my, my takeaway was like you know are there parasitic aliens <laughs> so you know i hadn't really i hadn't really ditched that whole that whole plot device.
1: Well, this is it. I like this movie
0: because it purports
1: to be an aliens movie, but it's not really. There's no supernatural alien stuff going on. It
0: becomes play for today. It becomes...
1: Yeah, it's it's really about, you know, free will and mental illness, mental wellness and responsibility and, you know, all of that stuff, I, I think. Because there have been criminals, famous criminals who have done things which have been caused by, you know... Uh, brain conditions, mental conditions.
0: You According know, to their defence lawyers.
1: No, no, unequivocally. There was... was it? I th- and I, I'm extemporising a bit here, so this no doubtless be a subject to a future correction. But I'm sure there was a guy who went to the top of a university clock tower with a, with a rifle Yeah. and was sniping people, a mass killer. And I'm sure they discovered that he had a brain tumour. And it, everyone testified that his personality had changed over the course yeah. of the development of this tumour. And there's, I've heard another story about a guy who suddenly developed a really strong s- sort of uh, sexual deviancy, like I think he was had a paedophilic tendency suddenly. And again, it was discovered he had a brain tumour and they removed it and he went back to normal wow so you know these cases and like this film raise this question you know criminal behavior you know people are very fond as well of saying of someone who's a killer oh you know they're a psychopath you know something wrong with them if there is something wrong with them can we really hold them responsible if someone's behavior is caused by a disease we should surely be treating the disease not putting the person in prison right
0: yeah, I, th- I think there's a, I think when this comes to ideas of criminality, there's a disconnect between the idea of insanity, which now is only a, a legal term, criminal insanity. And, well, insanity. I mean, I don't think insanity exists exists in in the psychiatric community anymore, does it?
1: There are certainly <laughs> mental but disorders. In any case, that- legal
0: insanity is a very different thing to any kind of psychiatric insanity. Diminish responsibility right. is the is the legal angle that they're looking for isn't it sure yeah i mean but i mean being depressed is not going to get you that that, that legal that legal uh, designation is it is, is a problem so i think there's an idea sure. that the two the two disciplines use it ter- use those terms interchangeably they don't i think legally it, it's you have to very compellingly prove that this person really had no idea what they were doing. Or if they had a strong idea of what they were doing, it wasn't, if you like, their own idea. Yeah. The
1: key question should be did they know did they still know it was wrong? And you know, if they felt, for instance, that they were doing something to defend other people that was sort of self-defense, oh. then that might be considered Very a, Kantian. very Kantian
0: approach there, actually. <laughs>
1: Look at this philosophy then. Should we just score this film?
0: Yeah, let's score it. Alright, alright. Sorry, you no, know, you were gonna say something serious and I, I interrupted. Come on, what were you saying? This film made you, raised issues raised raised ideas about
1: Well, I've said it, haven't I? You know, can oh we God. can we hold people responsible for things that are caused by a disease or a mental unwellness? What does it mean to hold people responsible uh... for
0: I'm not sure we can but we do and that's just how it is. I mean.
1: I mean in this country I suppose it's true anywhere it even if if you commit a serious crime and you are found not to be sane you would spend your life locked in a hospital rather than yeah. a hospital prison rather than a prison prison that's the difference yeah. isn't it and I suppose yeah. in the question is would you be treated? Would people try and cure you? and if you had had been cured or you were put on drugs you know would is it then appropriate to release that person? I don't know Tell me what you would give the acting in this film.
0: Uh, I thought the acting was great uh, everybody did what they were supposed to do. Uh, I thought uh, I thought Riz Ahmed was particularly good. What's he been in before?
1: Well, he was in Rogue One, the really good Star Wars sequel movie. Oh, right.
0: Yeah, he was great here. He was very, very convincing. The sheriffs were sheriffs, you know, and the kids were suitably annoying. So I'm going to score the acting uh, a competent eight. How about you, Richard?
1: I agree that Riz Ahmed was a really strong performer, definitely the parole officer who I think I think her name is Octavia Spencer she was good as well I, the, the kids were too annoying, weren't they? I thought they were really annoying yeah. Yeah. difficult to get <laughs> difficult to get child actors isn't it I, I suppose in a way they were supposed to be annoying i mean it, 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 as you start to realize that this guy's insane having two fractious kids bugging him on the journey and asking when they when they can stop next is just, you know, it's like a a fuse ticking down, isn't it? Uh, So all of which is to
0: say, yeah, I'll I'll give this an eight. You're right, I think. How's about the plot line? Did this thread nicely for you?
1: I liked it, yeah. I mean, low-key, sure. Um, Mm -hmm. Underplayed in a lot of ways. Subtle. Thoughtful. I did like it. Uh, Maybe it didn't hit as hard as... I first thought. I mean, thought about it again. I'll give it a seven for the plot.
0: I mean, I liked it. I mean, there were enough twists and turns to keep me to keep me watching. Uh, I thought the final twist. I didn't see it coming that the kid was gonna, you know, uh, pick up the gun and turn it on the cops. I didn't see that coming at all. Uh, the other thing I didn't like was the anticlimactic ending. I thought we could have done with some tragedy at the end. Uh, But, you know, Hollywood's terrified of tragedies and so... So, for that, I'm going to give it a six. Hmm.
1: Okay. Searching around for categories here, aren't we? Uh, So, we've done plot... Wow, there's lots
0: of action there. Action?
1: Okay, yeah, yeah, we can do action.
0: There's lots of Wild West action, almost, you know. I mean, this is shootout of the OK Corral, in many respects.
1: Yeah, I certainly like that bit. Uh, So... Uh, And there were special effects as well in terms of showing all of those insects. And there were a lot of insects, presumably all CGI, unless you have an insect trainer on the set. So, yeah, I'll give it a 7 for all the action-y bits.
0: Action worked great for me. I'm going to give it an 8. Finally, play for today. How did it work for contemporary social issues, Richard? Because I think Alien Invasion was a good segue into talking about mental health? Post-traumatic stress disorder?
1: What I would say about the mood and overall kind of, you know, ambiance of the film is yes. sometimes I think it could be a bit heavy handed. There was, when he breaks into that old fella's house, the, the lighting is subdued. It's quite dark and people are in yeah. a silhouette. And for a good long time, you can't really see the face of the old guy. And meanwhile, Phil Collins is on the gramophone and <laughs> he was. the song playing is. Uh, Take a look at me now. Uh, yes, and I think so when the chorus hit. That hits, was a touch heavy-handed, yeah. yeah. And then the weird thing is, like in the morning when it's first light, when it's dawn, and the the two boys arrive at that place and are looking for their dad, Phil Collins is still playing. And I think it was a vinyl record, so I wasn't sure how that worked.
0: So wow.
1: Or was it just an some hour do, less than half an hour from Some of them you can't
0: do that sort of thing where it repeats. Repeat play up the gramophone. Okay, yeah.
1: well
0: maybe then. Yeah, so there was some heavy, heavy, heavy-handed semiotics going on there. I mean, and this sort of stuff was really popular in the early '90s, wasn't it? I seem to remember that Steven Spielberg even, as a popular director, picked up on it. And you know, in Jurassic Park, there's all those kind of funny signs that point <laughs> to what's going to happen next and that kind of thing. Uh, but I mean, he was playing with the idea in a jokey way. But in arts movies, you know. This kind of potentious, I guess, ironic foreshadowing, uh, or, or not even foreshadowing, just shadowing of what was happening. Phil Collins was actually, it was sha- the, the music was shadowing what was happening at the time. Yeah, I'm guessing this was meant seriously in this movie, as opposed to a <laughs> joke. So, so yeah, I go with it. Perhaps a touch heavy handed, but apart from that, I thought the direction was uh, very assured, and uh, you know, it, it's a movie you can settle back into and and enjoy. And possibly think about ideas of free will and responsibility in relation to criminal activity.
1: Yeah, so I mean, I'll give it a, I'll give it a good seven for that. I think.
0: Yeah, and whatever the character category was, atmospherics. Yeah, for play for today. Yeah, I'm going to give a six point five. Finally, then overall, has to be a seven. This is a recommend. This is a good movie. I liked it.
1: I agree. It's not a barnstormer, though, is it? I think it's, It surprised me. It was better than I expected. It's around a 6.5 or 7. Yeah, that's a fair score. That is a fair and score.
0: better than the scores it gets on Metacritic and places like that. You know, he's scoring like a 5 or a 6 out there. I think it's a much better move than that. Yeah,
1: people are expecting an alien invasion, aren't they? That's what's going on there. Ah,
0: uh, that could be what's going on, yeah, yeah.
1: All of which leads me to think I should maybe try and watch more stuff by um, Michael Pierce, the Jersey boy. Been to Jersey many times, of course. Familiar with that place. Interesting. He's got another big film called Beast, which might be worth having a look at. Maybe we should put it on our list. Let's put it on our list. Put it on our list. Put it on our list. But, Paul, I believe Uh our choice for next week has been decided by fate. It has. Predetermination, really. It's not really a choice. It's been decided. It isn't a red pill or blue pill situation. It's a red pill situation.
0: Reapril situation. It is Matrix Resurrection colon colon yes R E (laughs) Matrix colon R E Resurrections. Okay, reimagined, refactored, reworked. It's the fourth outing in the Matrix in the Matrix uh, franchise. So until the next
1: time, which episode twenty-two? About a week, depending on who edits which
0: episode. Hot foot down to, hot foot down to your local movie. I assure you, it will be almost completely empty. Grab some popcorn. See what Keanu's up to these days. Until then, goodbye. Shut out. For <laughs>